one 990 is the number. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to all kinds of things today, including the injury calculator, fightformyltd.com, and different ways you can get a hold of Savannah and the firm to ask questions and get information outside of this hour-long radio show. We always start uh, with the week that was. How was it, brother? Uh, it was another very busy and interesting week, mm-hmm. John. Let's uh, just get right, in, right into it. Uh, we had a gentleman, Greg, from Toronto, uh, give us a call. He has a long-term disability matter. His short-term disability just ended uh, at the end of May of this year. Uh, he's not receiving any payments as of right now. He applied for LTD for long-term disability, and he can't work because of depression, anxiety, right. and abuse of substances. And you do see this uh, mm-hmm. quite often. Uh, he has uh, an addiction specialist doctor uh, who has advised in writing that he cannot go back to work. That said, the insurance company, in its wisdom, decided to deny him the claim. Of course it did. Uh, and, of course, what this poor person did, he appealed the decision. Uh, he works in the banking industry. He's been working, actually, for about nine years. He's in, in his uh, mid-30s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you can just imagine he's started in this industry from a fairly young age uh, and for almost a decade, and now he needs the help that he paid into, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Uh, and the insurance company is denying him. So a few things that we can pull from this. Number one, uh, having a situation where you have an abuse of substance, alcohol, drugs, whatever it is, uh, you know, coupled with, uh, coupled with depression, anxiety, you know, so long, so long as you have doctors supporting your disability, and you have coverage. Right. In other words, you've had coverage while you were working and you've now applied for it. I don't see a reason why you get denied unless the policy, the insurance policy specifically has certain exclusions. And it may have exclusions mm-hmm. for abusive substances. I don't know. But the disabling condition exists here. He has the support of his doctors. Why would the insurance company deny him? Well, they could have denied him for a number of reasons. I don't know what those are at this point. Uh, but, you know, the first mistake this gentleman did is he appealed, appealed the him. denial. And again, you know, if you go to 10 different LTD lawyers across the province, you may get different opinions, but there is a sort of underlying consensus that most LTD lawyers who do this uh, on a full-time or almost full-time basis will tell you. And they will tell you that most of these appeals are detours. And they are detours because you are appealing to the same insurance company that has denied you in the first place. It seems silly, yeah. Right? Uh, I mean, it's the same people, really. And you know, figuratively speaking, why do I like? Sorry, why do I like um, to start a legal claim whenever I'm dealing with a with a denial that's illegitimate? Is because figuratively speaking, it's like putting a gun to the insurance company's head. It's a legal gun. Okay, let's put it that yep. way. What does that mean? It means you were taking it out of the hands of the insurance company and putting it now. We're essentially applying the law to the insurance company. Exactly. They can't simply you know make their own willy nilly decisions. Turn a blind eye and walk away. You got it exactly. Yeah, so this respond. is what exactly this is what we're going to do with this gentleman. And I'll tell you right now, John, we're going to be able to resolve his claim so long as his doctors continue supporting him being off work on disability, so long as the insurance policy allows him to get disability based on the criteria that they have, right, total disability, we should be able to get him uh, compensation. And uh, again, I usually, not usually, we never take on a case unless we think that there are good chances of resolving these cases favorably for our clients. And you get right on it right away. You don't let it linger, right? We, we do not. That's yeah. the one thing. You know, whenever we have a new lawyer joining, I give them a rundown of here's how these claims work. Yeah. We do not sit on them. It's not as though the person come to us, they retain us, uh, you know, we get everything we need, and then we simply sit on it and move on to the next 100 files in queue. No, right. that's not happening. 
there's immediate work done on it. And I know that's not how every lawyer does things. It's not how every law firm does things. It's the way we do things at our firm. We don't wait, pure and simple, because at the end of the day, it's our client who needs that money to survive. Sure. And we understand that. We get that. Uh, so 100%, you come to us, we will help, and we'll tell you, you know, conversely, if I think that you don't have a case or you should be waiting because we don't have all the information we need from your doctors, I'm not going to push you into something unless mm-hmm. I think that it makes sense to start it now. And I'll tell you, John, it's not the first time that it's happened to me. Uh, it's, you know, at least once a week I speak to someone and I advise them, look, you either have no case or I can see why the insurance company has taken the position it has and I explain why. So, you know, we don't promise you the moon. But when we tell you we think you have a good legal foundation to claim against the insurance company compensation, it's because we've made that assessment on the basis of the information we have, and we're confident that we're going to get that resolution for you. And why would you move forward right away, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's how you work. Exactly. Mind you, some people, of course, are hesitant and, you know, they can be cynical because, you know, we are talking to a lawyer and, mm-hmm. you know, lawyers just want to make money. Right. Listen, it's not all about money. At the end of the day, we do speak with quite a lot of people out there, quite a lot of people who uh, just have very simple questions. You know, people will email me out of the blue. I mean, I get those emails literally every day at every time in the day, every hour of the day. They'll ask me about CPP disability or they'll ask me about this or about that. And I'll reply back. I'm not asking for anything. I've had people saying to me, I want to pay you for your time. And I said, no. Don't worry about no. It. If you're my client, if we've entered into an agreement where I'm going to do all this work for you, my team is, that's one thing, okay? But if it's just answering, you know, answering a few questions here and there, I, I'm not going to bill you for that. Yeah. No, I have this information. It's at, the, it's at the tip of my fingers. I'm going to give it to you. Which is why, again, you can use something like MyDisabilityQuestions.com. That's exactly like talking to Savannah. Your question probably has already been asked and answered on that website. Check it out as we uh, go into break. And we'll get to lots more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio, AM640. one 990 is Savannah's number. Anytime help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Let's get to a couple more cases that uh, you've been working on. Well, you mentioned MyDisabilityQuestions.com. Yep. Again, very, very popular site. Uh, get tons of questions and people out there, you can just go to that site. Most likely, your question has already been answered. Right. Uh, so let's actually pick one of those. Uh, this one is coming from Connor um, from Dryden. And uh, it's a question from July 7th. Uh, here's the question. I'm a teacher in Ontario and have been told that my long-term disability payments will, stopped, uh, will stop after two years if they deem I can do another job outside of teaching. I have a serious mental health issue and can't imagine how I can just be cut off like that. Is this something that can happen? Mm. So let's dissect this. The two-year mark that we're seeing here, we've talked about this before. Let's talk about this again because some people may not be aware of it. In long-term disability policies, generally, for the first two years of being on LTD, on long-term disability, the criteria is whether you are disabled from doing your job, your own occupation. Beyond the two years or that two-year mark, the criteria changes. The question then becomes, can you do any job, any occupation for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience? That's what uh, Connor here is referring to, right? He's a teacher, and he's been told by the insurance company that yeah. he may get cut off because he can do other stuff. Well, maybe he can do other stuff, meaning maybe he's he has the knowledge and experience to do other stuff, other types of jobs. The question is, can he actually do it? Will his doctors clear him to do other type of work? Right. Will he be ready himself psychologically and physically, right? Because he's dealing with a seri- se- uh, serious mental health issue. Will he be able to do other work? And the question is, at that point, right, just by, close to the two-year mark, 
will he qualify for the LTD beyond the two-year mark? And you know, most claims, John, they get uh, cut off. Uh, people get told, no, we believe that you can do some kind of other job. Sometimes insurance company hire experts to provide a whole mm -hmm. list of jobs and analysis uh, to say, listen, John, maybe you can't do this, but you can do X, Y, and Z. You know, and people freak out, of course, and they get cut off and they don't know what to do and they're burying their head in the sand. They panic and they assume, listen, I can't take on the insurer. And the reality is this, nothing really has changed. If you feel that you cannot do any work at this point at that two-year mark, if your doctors are backing you up and they put down on paper then their professional opinions, medical opinions, you cannot do other jobs at this point in time in the foreseeable future, and here's why, well, then you should qualify to get LTD beyond the two-year mark. It's just that simple to me. And I say that it's that simple because whenever I've taken on a client that has been in that situation and the insurance company comes back and says, hold on for a second, we believe that person can do other work, I turn around and say, okay, well, show me the medical proof. Show me something that contradicts what my client's medical doctors are saying, that this right. person cannot do it. You know, so nothing really changes. So what happens is we start a legal claim against the insurance company, the claim gets transferred internally to a an adjuster that deals with these kinds of legal claims. There is a defense lawyer that gets assigned, a defense lawyer, somebody that used to be like me. Uh, sorry, somebody that I used to be like, I used right. to defend insurance companies. And then we end up going eventually to a mediation, and that's where most of these cases resolve. Yep. Okay? Uh, so very important to understand. Another thing to understand is that this person who's a teacher, uh, Connor, he's likely unionized. And that's something we haven't talked right. a lot about, and right. I do see that occasionally. So, you know, with Lior on the employment hour, he talks about non-unionized employees. If somebody's unionized, he can't help them. Well, in LTD cases- No employment cases, lawyer can help them. No employment yeah. lawyer can help them, yeah. exactly. Only the union can help them. Yep. With LTD cases, that's not the case. With LTD cases, when I find out that somebody is unionized, I ask for their collective agreement because mm -hmm. the collective agreement is going to have certain provisions that deal with LTD. You bet. It may just mention LTD, or it may actually go in depth into describing what's the criteria for getting LTD, what are the amounts, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And the analysis basically falls down to if the collective agreement really spells out the whole LTD criteria and amounts and all that, mm -hmm. most likely the union has to deal with any issues with the LTD insurer. However, if the collective agreement only talks about LTD superficially, meaning it's not contemplated that the union would be dealing with LTD, well, then we can help. And I can tell you that probably 75, 80, 85% even of unionized employees with LTD issues that have come to me, we've been able to help. So if you are unionized, a unionized employee, and you have an issue with your LTD insurer, they're not paying you, right. they've denied you, they've cut you off, don't don't be afraid. Call me, email me. At least find out. Find out. I'll yeah. take a look. It'll take me exactly two minutes to look through your collective agreement to tell you if we can help you or not. Give me some details before we break about the injury calculator. Love this tool. Yeah, it's a fantastic tool, and it's been used quite widely. What it is, it's a collection of, uh, it's a database of cases across the country. If you've been injured uh, in Ontario, in BC, anywhere in Canada, really, um, and it's not your fault. So, for example, you've been rear-ended in a car accident, T-boned, you had a slip and fall. If you've suffered an injury, uh, a broken back, a broken ankle, a uh, broken hip, something like that, and you want to know, well, how much can I get for my pain and suffering assuming I start a legal claim? What that database does is it asks you for that information. You'll tell it where the accident happened, how old are you, when it happened, right. the severity of your injury, and then it combs through a database of cases from across the country to look for cases similar to yours, and then it tells you, based on our review of Canadian case law, 
here's what you can potentially be looking at in terms of value for your pain and suffering if you started a claim. Remember though, every case is different, the facts are different, uh, you know, sometimes it's not 100% fault on the other side, sometimes there is a shared fault, but again, you want to know, I have a broken wrist, I have a torn ligament in my shoulder, I want to know how much that, you know, that, just uh, pain and suffering. the value, yeah. the pain and suffering, that's what this calculator does, it provides that to you. We'll get to more of that later and your emails as well and any other contact. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. The number moving forward, one 990 9646 The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number to get a hold of Savannah. We just talked about it before the break. The injury calculator. Find out exactly what your pain and suffering. The window should be worth. I'm not talking all of it to compensation, but your pain and suffering right there can be had at injurycalculator.ca. You have other questions outside the show. You don't want to call in or call Savannah anytime. MyDisabilityQuestions.com. And a couple more cases before we turn over to some uh, some emails. Go ahead, Paul. Okay, so just um, a few more interesting cases. Uh, again, another LTD case. This is from Leanne, uh, 43 years old, electrician. Uh, now, interestingly enough, he's looking for a second opinion. He already has a lawyer. This gentleman has multiple sclerosis. He's been denied LTD. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why. Uh, his family doctor and neurologist have said he cannot work. And for whatever reason, the lawyer that he has right now uh, says that uh, he's not going to be able to get compensation from the long-term disability insurance company. Now, I don't know yet all the reasons, but what I can tell you is that we do quite a lot of second opinion work. And one of the things that I'm very, very strict about, particularly with my lawyers, Mm -hmm. is if you already have a lawyer, John, we are not going to tell you to switch to us. Yeah, we're not fishing. No. And, and I've had many, many cases where, you know, people have run by me uh, scenarios or they've told me, here's what's happened with my case. And I'll tell them, listen, I think this is done correctly. This is not done correctly. And oftentimes I will try and dissuade people from switching lawyers. The only times that I will really tell someone, listen, you have to consider whether you want to stay or Cut not, the cord. Yeah. Yeah, is if you're having a lot of communication issues. In other words, you just can't get a hold of your lawyer or anyone at the, at the, at the office uh, because then it's a big concern. I mean, you know, is your case falling through the cracks? And number two, if I see major, major errors, mislimitation periods, uh, you know, major things that I think, you know, amount to almost negligence. Otherwise, I can tell you, I have no issue providing second opinions, but I will most times tell somebody, listen, don't switch to us. Uh, And certainly if I think that there is a major concern or I think that I can help the person, I'll tell them, look, there's, uh, there are other lawyers, uh, you know, raise those concerns with the lawyer you have right now. Here's how your claim should be handled as right. far as I'm concerned. Here are the the uh, red flags or the, the issues that I'm seeing. Cool. So just for people out there, uh, yes, I will talk to you, but uh, unless it's something really extreme, I will, you know, not necessarily agree to take on a case, particularly when the case is already gone uh, quite in depth. In other words, the, the case has progressed uh, and the case has been ongoing for quite a while. Because then if you bail, you might have to, you know, pay for their time up to that exactly. point, right? It could be costly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so here's another one. It's an interesting case. Uh, this gentleman, Chris from Ottawa, had a heart attack this past January, was off work for a couple of months, returned back to modified duties. Upon his return, he found the job to be very stressful and was having anxiety attacks. His doctor recommended that he stay off work until he sees his cardiologist mm-hmm. in August. So it's coming up. He was denied LTD because the insurance company re- believes that he can go back to work. Now, he says that the uh, medications he's on have caused him dizzy spells, he, and he's just now ready to go back. He's a truck driver and uh, making an annual income, uh, about $44,000. He's 51 years old. Uh, so, again, let's dissect this. 
I love it when insurance companies say, we believe that yeah, this person should be able to go back to work. I don't care what they believe, what the adjuster believes. I care about what the doctors are saying. If the insurance company, if the adjuster, the case manager, if they have contradictory opinion, present that opinion. Don't simply say you believe this person can yeah. go back. But you know what this person did, which is very good, is he tried to go back and he was obviously unsuccessful. So yep. no one can blame him. No one can say, well, you haven't even tried to go back. You tried to mitigate. Exactly. Right. Mitigate. That's right. the word, mitigate. Remember, you have an obligation in law to mitigate, to try and get back on the horse, to try and get better. But you shouldn't be pushing yourself to do that unless you think you're ready and unless you get clearance from your doctors. So we'll be able to help this gentleman. But really, really interesting when I see something like this where somebody has an objective issue such as a heart attack, a stroke, multiple sclerosis, things like that. And the insurance company adjusters just believes that the person should be able to go back despite what the doctors are saying. All right, John, the last case, it's a very tragic situation yep. and I think people can learn from it. Uh, so this gentleman, um, he called me on behalf of his father. Back in May of this year, his father, who's 71 years old, uh, was on the back deck of a home that he rents a room from. He was uh, a few feet up. He was leaning on the top railing uh, outside, it's like a patio, which gave out uh, and uh, he fell and he broke his neck. Uh, and he's quadriplegic now from the neck down. He's on the ventilator, uh, had surgery done on his neck, and uh, he's, he's currently in, in a peripheral hospital right. and he's going to be transported to one of the hospitals downtown. Tragic, tragic case. Can you imagine, John, 71 years old, just became quadriplegic. Totally. Uh, this is this is the type of, of, of a situation, a case where, again, you see a family member contacting us uh, because clearly his father is unable to. And, and, you know, this is a massive, this is a massive case. Why? Because this gentleman is now going to need care around the clock. So if you were to go to the injury calculator that we had set up, you know, perhaps for his injuries, he could be getting, I don't know, $300,000, $350,000. This is 350000 360 sort of the max for pain and suffering yep. that you can get in Canada. Uh, it's not something that I'm inventing. It's something that simply we have precedent for. But you can see how if this gentleman lives for X amount more years, just cost out how much it's going to cost to take care of him for It'll the next, do- exactly, for 24 hours a day, 365 a year. Uh, so very, very important. There is going to be a lot of work that has to be done here to take care of this family. And you can just imagine that it's not just the individual, the, the uh, father here who is going to be awarded compensation, but it's the family members who are now, their, their lives have been completely totally. turned upside down, right? So they're going to have claims under Section 61 of the Family Law Act. I'm happy that he contacted us because we know what to do and we'll advise them and we're going to be meeting with them this week. But what a tragic situation and how important it is to make sure that you contact um, a a lawyer with a specialty in this area so that they can advise you. One other thing I want to mention is they took photographs of that broken railing. Brilliant. Right? So clearly something happened there. Something, either it was constructed negligently or it wasn't maintained. Something happened. So photographs are key here and they have them. So kudos to them for doing that. We'll take a, a short break. Lots more to go. We'll get some your emails after we uh, take a, a short break. Indeed, one 9646 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM640. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't used it yet, the injury calculator that it can be found 
at injurycalculator.ca. Find out what your pain and suffering could be. If you're suffering from uh, a variety of injuries, you just punch the information through. It takes about 30 seconds, and you'll get a number at the end of it. You can contact us, Savan, if you wish. At that point, emails has mentioned. Don here says, I've been on LTD, long-term disability for MS, for the last uh, 18 months. And was recently told my case manager uh, that I may not qualify for LTD after 24 months, being two years. What does that mean? I'm 50. I can't work. Well, Don, this is actually very similar to uh, one of the cases that I had just described a few segments ago. Uh, So, you know, the fact that the adjuster or the case manager is telling you that you may not qualify after 24 months, I mean, first of all, it's ludicrous to me, given the condition that you have MS, which is a degenerative neurological condition. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to me. But I'll tell you, you're 18 months. They're telling you, here's what we think is going to happen in six months from now. It's difficult for me to, I, I don't understand why they're making that decision or projection six months from that two year mark. But, you know, it also raises alarm bells because clearly uh, they are projecting or at least giving you the heads up of what they are planning to do. So even though they haven't actually denied you, it's good that you're contacting me, right? The antennas go up yeah. because clearly oftentimes insurance companies will start asking you questions or start doing things on your file, becoming more active in ways that will raise suspicion. For example, they'll want you to be seen by one of their specialists. Yep. They may want you to be seeing, uh, sorry, they may, they may want more clarification from your doctors as to whether or not you can do other types of jobs. You know, they may start doing certain things uh, that may be or may seem unusual in comparison with the last year or year and a half or almost two years that you've been on LTD. They're getting ready. They're getting ready. Yeah. So, you know, that means that you have to prepare as well. And one of the ways you prepare is you start going to your doctors and asking them to provide updated reports that you can provide to the insurance company that say whether or not you're able to go back to work in their medical opinions. Right. I'm not suggesting you tell your doctors to say that you cannot go back to work if you can, but if you feel that you can't and your doctors share in that opinion, get them to provide updated uh, records and reports. And in a way, you are preempting the insurance company's decision as to whether or not they have sufficient medical documentation to support you being off work and on disability beyond the two-year mark. So, Don, your situation is not unusual. Uh, I'm glad you contacted me. We can chat off air, and I can give you your legal options. I can tell you that what I would do in this situation when you have not yet been cut off is, you know, you may either want to retain us to communicate with the insurance company and sort of put them on notice that if they intend on cutting you off, they better have good reason for it, legitimate reason that's documented by by their own doctor's opinions, or you may want to deal with them yourself directly, but just make sure and get updates from your doctors right now that you can provide insurance companies to make it more difficult for the insurance companies to potentially cut you off in six months. one 9646 is the number. We often talk about uh, CPP disability. We'll talk about it now. Why people, why should they be applying for that or if they're already on LTD? Explain why. So that's an excellent question. And, you know, for many people out there who have been listening to me, they've heard me say this time and time again, you know, apply for CPP disability. But there are many people daily that ask me, well, why should I? I mean, if I'm getting LTD or if I'm applying for LTD, why should I? And, you know, the answer is it's it's multifaceted answer. So the first um, answer I will give you is that most LTD policies actually require you, particularly after the, let's say, one-year mark of being on LTD, to apply for CPP disability. 
Now, why are insurance companies interested in that? Because they get a credit for whatever it is you're getting for CPPD. So if you're getting from CPP disability a thousand bucks a month, and the insurance company is paying you two thousand dollars a month, you're not getting a thousand plus two thousand. You're getting two thousand, the original two thousand, because the insurance company only has to pay you a thousand bucks. They get a credit for that thousand that CPP is paying you. But why is it a good thing that you know when you apply and get on CPPD? Because if you get accepted by the Canadian government as being disabled, and by the way, the criteria is a bit different, not a bit, it's different than LTD. The criteria for getting CPPD is whether your uh, disability is severe and prolonged. And they also require medical documents. So if the government recognizes you and puts you on CPPD, on CPP disability, it makes it that much harder for the insurance company to turn around and say, yeah, we don't think you're disabled from working. Yeah, but the government does. Now, it doesn't mean the insurance company says, you know, they fold their tents and they say, okay, okay, if the government recognizes you're disabled, then we're going to pay you too. I'm not saying that's what happens. I'm just saying that it makes it that much harder for them to say that you are not disabled because the government has said you're disabled. The other good reason for having CPPD if you're disabled, obviously, is because if you do get cut off at some point by LTD, you have another income stream from uh, CPPD. So that's going to help you while we fight and battle the insurance company. And, um, you know, once we get the insurance company to the table, again, it it helps you out. It sustains you and also gives us an argument for why they should be paying you uh, for uh, LTD. So, you know, there's a lot more. The one thing I do want to mention, John, that's not related to CPPD, but you just reminded me by asking the question, uh, is that if you are disabled, (coughs) sorry, in Ontario, don't forget uh, that there is a disability tax credit that you can apply for. I don't know much about it in terms right. of, like, I'm not an accountant. Uh, I know that there are firms out there that, you know, they'll take a portion of whatever they recover for you. Gotcha. You actually don't need them. Just go to your accountant. They should know how to deal with disability tax credits, uh, and you should be getting some money back. That's okay. Yeah. Cool. We'll take a short break back in your emails. The email address is help at the insurancelawyer.ca and the number one triple eight. Nine nine zero ninety six forty six. The Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk Radio. Ma'am six forty. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. The number to get a hold of Savannah and its team anytime. Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't used the injury calculator, find out what your pain and suffering should be. Could be that is the website you want to use. Injurycalculator.ca as well. Sandra writes in says uh, my husband. Had a stroke two years ago, and since then we fought to get him uh, on long-term disability. But the insurer keeps saying that he can work even though my husband's doctor says he can't. We've appealed twice, there you go, and got denied twice. Big shock. We uh, we don't know what to do now. Well, Sandra, you know, and I keep saying that time and time again like a parrot, and I know the people out there, you know, they shake their heads and they say, well, okay, you've said this already. Stop talking about it. These appeals don't work, okay? They just don't. And I know there's going to be defense lawyers out there and insurance uh, adjusters out there, people who say, what are you talking about? Of course they work, or at least some of them do. The legitimate claims do. No, that's nonsense. <laughs> I'm not saying that in the history of the appeals process with insurance companies, no appeal has ever worked. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that instead of going down that road that is going to frustrate you, potentially bankrupt you, yes, I've seen that. People wow. go bankrupt because they can't afford the fight with the insurance company uh, and to take care of their health. Instead of doing that, you let us start a legal claim. Remember, no one is above the law. People think these insurance companies are these mammoth organizations that are completely invincible. They are not invincible. 
that's it, it's it's like a mirage. It's an it's yeah. they've created this persona that you know you can't take them to you know you can't take them to court. And here's the deal: nine over ninety five percent of these cases never see court. I don't remember the last time I went to court on an LTD case. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like going to the doctor. Not every visit to the doctor is going to result in surgery. No. It's yeah, not. Right. Insurance companies are there to make money. They don't like fighting these claims. It costs them money. It's very expensive. So they like to settle these claims. It's it's a very, very simple- uh, Dynamic. Bi- dynamic mm-hmm. and business model. It's just that you know when we're looking at these things and we're looking at movies and Hollywood, we think that you have these huge major fights with insurance yeah. companies. You know what? If if every case out there uh, against an insurance company went to court, these insurance companies would go bankrupt. They can't afford that. You think they have these billions of dollars? Yeah. They do, but they need them for operation. They need them for paying out claims. They need them for paying out lawyers. It's not that simple. And again, remember, I used to work for insurance companies. I used to be a defense lawyer. The amount of times that I would tell my adjuster clients, you know, don't pay on this claim because it's not legitimate. I sincerely believe the claim wasn't legitimate. I told my adjuster, don't pay it. And my adjuster would come back and say, yeah, but we want to close it down. So go ahead and write a check for $30,000 or 100000 or whatever it is. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to do that all the time, right? Oh. Again, you have to look at the case by case. This is where we come in. We can assess the case and tell you, you have a case or you don't have a case or here's the likelihood. But the point is with Sandra's email here, her husband has a stroke two years ago. They've gone through two appeals, John. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine the kind of stress that they are under, both financial as well as just on a personal level. Yep. They don't know what to do. I could have probably circumvented this entire process at the beginning by starting a legal claim against the insurance company, getting a defense lawyer on the other side, and talk with them business, right? Does your client want to fight this all the way, or do we want to just... You know, let's see what the doctors are saying, wrap this up, and that's it. If they don't want to do that, that's fine. We'll fight. But my client is not going to have to deal with it. Me and my team are going to be dealing with it. Right. Right? And the insurance company understands that. You're you're leveling the playing field. This is what is lost on many people out there. I'm never going to force you to start a claim. I'm just going to give you your legal options. If you decide not to pursue it, and I have people who do that, that's fine. It's your money. Right, it's your. I mean, the insurance company, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. should be sending you a nice scotch bottle at the end of the year if you yeah. don't start a claim. You're giving them a nice gift. They're not paying you because they want to pay you. They're paying you because they understand that they have no choice. Right. The question is, is how do you get them to the table to do that? Again, another thing is the John Grisham novel. Doesn't My go God, you know, weeks and weeks, right? The John Grisham novel. It's just you know, I I can't imagine that any of his stories don't have some basis in reality. Yeah. It's just a rea- You know, that's just the. Yeah. The truth. We get to another question. People, you know, people often try to appeal a, a denial for long-term disability because they think it's expensive to hire a lawyer. Never mind, go to court, just hire that lawyer. Is it a myth? Yeah, yeah, it, it is a myth, and and absolutely, I understand that completely. I, I get the point that you know you want to try the appeal process because why would you involve a lawyer? Yeah. You know, I don't have any money to put down. Well, the reality is that lawyers like myself, and again, I speak for myself and my colleagues who know what they're doing. Uh, you know, you're not putting any money down. We are tied at the hip. If I'm telling you you have a case, it's because I work on a percentage. Right. And at the end of the day, if I collect a dollar for you after this fight, then I get a percentage of that dollar. Sure. You're not paying for anything else, really. You're not. I'm not asking you to write me a check right there in the office for $10,000. So, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't want to hire us, that's fine. I'll still give you the info. I'll still tell you what I think you should do to maximize your choices of succeeding with an appeal. I just, I'll be shaking my head when you leave the office because I know how it's going to end up. 
even if I give you all of the information that you need to have to fight the insurance company, to start the legal process, you really do need to know the technical know-how. Oh, for sure. Right? I can tell you, oh, listen, here's an example. I can take my car. I know nothing about mechanics, by the way. I just, I wouldn't be able to do an oil change, okay? Mm. But I can go to, to a garage and I can have a problem with my engine and they can give me a full lecture. They can lecture me for a year yeah, on how to fix, fix this thing. I will not be able to do it. No. It's the same thing here. But you know what? If you'd like the information on how to battle them, I will give that to you freely. And if you can do it yourself, all the power to you. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. No, <laughs> we all the, no, no, all the power to you. Listen, absolutely. If you can do yeah. it, do it. Yeah. If you can't, come back to me and I'll do it for you. Yeah. But my point is, I'm not going to, I'm not holding this information close to my chest. This is not a secret. It's just that as a lawyer who has worked for insurance companies, I have certain skills that I've developed. I have, I have certain for knowledge. Sure. Uh, I understand how they operate, and it's just my day-to-day, you know, bread and butter. This well, is what you I do. do. It's yeah, your gig. me and my team, exactly. Yeah. Email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to more of those after a short break. The number one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. The Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio, AM six forty. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. Have that number on you at all times. That's uh, to get a hold of Savannah and his team. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And if you haven't used it yet, to find out what your pain and suffering could should be, injurycalculator.ca as well. Lori writes in, says, I've been listening to your show for a long time and really appreciate the good advice you give. I've been suffering from depression for many years. I can't deal with my long-term disability adjuster. Uh, she stresses me out every time she calls me and she knows it. I was told that I'm going to be cut off LTD in about three weeks from now, and I'm panicking. There's that word. Can you stop the insurance company from cutting me off? Okay, Laurie. So the answer is maybe. Oftentimes when we interject ourselves into a situation like this where the cutoff is imminent, what we do is we send an email. Uh, We got your authorization. You sign that we can communicate on your behalf, and we communicate with the adjuster directly, and we essentially make the case for why you should not be cut off and why if you are cut off, the insurance company proceeds with that step, drastic step, then they're going to get a claim on their desk the next day from us, a legal claim. And we've been successful uh, on some occasions. You know, it really depends on the scenario and depends on what we have to work with. But what you're describing right now is so common for people on disability, on long-term disability, to be stressed out, to be so anxious in dealing with the adjuster, the case manager, the insurance company. What is the point of LTD insurance? It's to provide a safety net to allow you to get better, right? That's the whole point. It's a safety net. And instead, what most of these individuals who come to me feel like, they feel like they're being victimized by the insurance company that is supposed to protect them. I mean, it is absolutely insane. I don't know if it's because of lacks, you know, l- lack of regulation out there or lack of education of adjusters, or maybe, as a friend of mine had mentioned to me last week, it trickles down from the top of the insurance company, right? Where they essentially, as he mentioned it, potentially instruct adjusters to be difficult with right. some of their claimants. I don't know how true that is, but, you know, it's a possibility, especially if you talk to John Grisham. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Lori, in a situation like this where you've been told that you're going to get cut off, where you get so anxious every time the phone rings and it's the adjuster on the other line, let us deal with it. As soon as we are retained, as soon as we act for you, the adjuster is not allowed to contact you directly. They have to go through us. Let the insurance adjuster feel anxiousness before she calls our office. Right. Okay, and, and I say that I'm not being facetious. I, I'm, I'm, ju- I'm just saying that, you know, we, we take a fairly, you know, uh, I'm not going to say an aggressive stand. I'm just, we take, we take a very 
sort of assertive stand, let's put it that way, with the insurance company, particularly when we have the medical documents and the medical reports from our clients, treating practitioners on our side. So we can definitely, definitely help. Uh, let's get in touch after the show and, um, again, provide you with your legal options, but you probably want to move fairly quickly given the fact that you're going to get cut off in three weeks. one 9646 is the number. So someone's been denied, say, short-term disability. Can they apply for long-term disability? Yes, absolutely they can. And, you know, you can have two situations. You can have a situation where someone has shortened disability with one insurer and long-term disability with another insurer. Yeah, I never thought about that. Right. So first of all, that can happen and does happen. In fact, some people don't even have shortened disability. They have to go on EI sick benefits or perhaps their own uh, employer will right. pay them uh, the shortened disability. So 100% you can do it. And in fact, you should be applying for LTD before the STD runs out, okay? Uh, but you have situations where it's the same insurance company for both the shortened disability and the long-term disability. Again, if you've been denied STD, you should be applying in any event to LTD. I'll tell you this, John, though. If somebody has the same insurance company, for both shortened disability and long-term disability, yeah. and they've been denied shortened disability, and I believe that it's a wrong denial. In other words, the disability claim from the client is legitimate. Then I will start a legal claim against that insurance company for both shortened disability right. and long-term disability because I have no faith that if they denied the STD portion that they're going to approve the LTD. Of course. My point is, don't wait. There is no reason to wait. If you've been denied shortened disability, long-term disability, contact us. At the very least, you'll be equipped with the legal options and know how to proceed. And then you make a decision on how you want to proceed. We'll slide in one final email here. Dan uh, writes in, says, I've been in a car accident a year ago, having gone back to work. I'm a pharmacist uh, because of a broken pelvis and PTSD. Should I apply for long-term disability and will that affect my compensation claim? I was not at fault for the accident. A truck T-boned me. Okay, Dan, so certainly you should definitely be applying for LTD. You should be applying for uh, CPP disability, 100%. Now, we're dealing with a car accident, John. And remember, we have two types of claims in a case like this. We have a claim with the accident benefits insurer, right? right so away. Dan's own, exactly, right away, his own insurance company will be paying him income replacement benefits, mm -hmm. uh, rehab uh, expenses, all that kind of stuff. At the same time, he has a claim against whoever was responsible for the accident, whoever T-boned him. A tort okay? claim, right? A tort claim. Yeah. And that's with the other insurance company. But in addition to that, he has access to LTD. He should be applying for LTD. There is going to be an interplay there between the income replacement benefits, the tort claim, and what they're responsible for, and what the long-term disability insurance company is responsible for. And, you know, I can go and talk about this for hours and hours. Yep. And for most people out there, it's like talking about taxes. The reality is that when you're in that situation, you have no idea which side is, is coming at you. You have no idea what your rights are. You need to be able to deal with all of this, but you can't because you have to deal with your injuries. Of course. This is where we come in. So Dan, what I would like to do is, again, after the show, let's get together and I'm going to bring uh, other people from my team who deal with car accidents as well. Uh, and there may be an employment issue here as well. Yep. Remember, we have employment lawyers. Again, we can deal with all of these issues and advise you in totality how to deal with all of these insurance companies as well as with your employer and just make sure that you're protected from all angles so that you can focus on your recovery. Good for another week, my friend. The number as we uh, wrap it up here, one 990 9646 Email help at the Savannah answers those himself. And if you haven't tried it yet, find out what your pain and suffering should be, injurycalculator.ca as well. Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640.